0: Breaking news from The Athletic. Hi, I'm Lindsay Jones, an NFL reporter at The Athletic. I'm joined tonight by my colleague Mike Sando of The Athletic, and we're here to talk about the 2021 Hall of Fame announcement. Uh, Mike, so take us through the 2021 Pro Football Hall of Fame class.
1: Yeah, well, we have five modern-era candidates. we got Peyton Manning, big surprise there. Obviously, you covered Peyton. Uh, Charles Woodson, Calvin Johnson, John Lynch, I think you also covered quite a bit. Alan Fanica, those five made it. There were 15 finalists for those slots. Those five got in. They've all retired within the last 25 years. There were three additional uh, Hall of Famers this year. Tom Flores made it as a coach. Drew Pearson made it as a senior candidate, as a former player. And Bill Nunn old scout for the Steelers made it as a contributor. So congratulations to these eight.
0: So, Mike, you are one of the panelists who voted on this class. Um, Obviously, Peyton Manning was a shoo-in. I understand that the discussion on Peyton Manning lasted about 13 seconds. Was that (laughs) one of the quickest debates you guys have ever had?
1: Yes, it was very much like, I'm trying to think there was another one like that, Emmett Smith, I think. When Emmett Smith uh, got in, whoever was doing it stood up in the room and said, Emmett Smith had more carries for more yards and touchdowns than anyone in history and sat down, and that was it. And so Peyton Manning was like, it was seriously like, okay, do we need to discuss this? There's not anyone who's going to like not vote yes, right? And we just moved on. So yes, it was that simple. (laughs) (laughs) There was no thought.
0: So when you look at this class, I think there's a couple of things that jump out to me. One, I love the symmetry and kind of just the way that Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson their careers have completely aligned from back when they were the Heisman finalists, when Peyton was at University of Tennessee and when Charles Woodson won that award at the University of Michigan, they were part of one of the greatest first round draft classes In history when you look at the, uh, you know, that complete class when they came in in 1998. Um, But take me through about a couple of these other candidates. Calvin Johnson, I think, was a guy who, you know, externally, there was just a lot of questions about would he get in on his first ballot? Um, What can you tell us about what the debate was like for Calvin Johnson and why he ultimately got into this group?
1: You know, there is a debate and some of the other uh, voters and And some of the guys, the more senior voters, feel like we're putting in too many people on the first ballot, and it screws up the process, and you end up then having John Lynch's and all these really good candidates. Alan Fanica's waiting forever, right? I don't see it that way. I feel like uh, somebody like Calvin Johnson is just so elite, right? I mean, he just was so dominant that, to me, those types of guys go to the front of the line. And I, I always use the thing with receivers. It can be hard. 'Cause they all have a lot of stats that you know, and it's hard to tell it apart sometimes. But I always do this in my mind. I'm like, okay, if we had this mythical game going on and we had Calvin Johnson on one side of the formation, and name your other guys, Reggie Wayne and Torrey Holt were both up on the other side. Who is a defensive coordinator losing sleep over in the game plan, right? Who are they rolling their coverages to? Who really and to me it's clearly Calvin Johnson almost over almost any Hall of Famer, you know? I mean, you could debate whether There'd be a dilemma if it was Jerry Rice on the other side, right? So to me, that that shows you, to me, Calvin Johnson is just elite of the elite receivers. And I'm glad to see he went in. Others, I, I think, probably would like to have him wait. But they were obviously in the minority.
0: Well, that's what's so hard about these discussions and why these debates are really interesting. Because, you know, it, nobody is saying that. Reggie Wayne is not one of the greatest receivers right. ever. You know, it's it's that you have to pick somebody and that these classes are really small and ultimately you have to settle on five of these modern era candidates. And there's a year where you know that Peyton Manning is getting in. You know that Charles Woodson is going to get in. And so then it's kind of those other spots and how are they going to get filled out? Um, I want to talk about the other three, um, the, the non-modern era candidates, because Tom Flores, Drew Pearson, and Bill Nunn are, you know, guys who are kind of always on that list of the top snubs. Um, Take me into Tom Flores, because I know you've probably been a part of these discussions about Tom Flores for a long time. Um, What do you think of his election right now and maybe what finally got him in this year?
1: Yeah, well, the, in those slots of the contributor and the coach there's a committee that works and deliberates throughout the year to then bring them to into the room and so they're not competing against the other five and that makes it really easy for me if the committee has done its work for that year and then they have you know suggested that Tom Flores is the uh, candidate for coach well then all he all we do is vote yes or no on him and he has to get 80% yes Unless it was somebody I really felt like fell far short, I'm going to usually vote yes, right? Because that committee really, this is why we have the slot for, right? And they'd have to put somebody in. I would have to be like diametrically opposed or feel like on some ethical grounds, right? And so for Tom Flores, to me, he wasn't like my first choice among the coaches, but I've warmed to him. And that, that's, to me, the fun part of this process. It's like I have in my mind what the criteria is for a coach. Others have theirs. Well, put it over the top in my mind for Flores, okay? I always felt like the Raiders were a reflection of Al Davis and that he inherited this great team that that John Madden had and that, yes, he did a nice job, but I didn't feel always that he was the driving force of their success. Well, throughout this process, though, we talked about how you know, Jim Plunkett was really a reclamation project. And Tom Flores knew how to coach quarterbacks. And Tom, Jim Plunkett wasn't necessarily Al Davis's guy. They won two Super Bowls with Jim Plunkett, who was really taken off of, the, off of the scrap heap from New England. It was ruined really early in his career. Tom Flores gets a lot of credit for that. And even subsequently, Tom Flores quote-unquote failed in Seattle, okay? That was something that bothered me, too. Like, usually if you're a great coach, you, you should be able to overcome where you go. But I know that ownership situation was the worst in the league. And he actually did a pretty good job with a young Rick Meyer for a couple of years. Rick Meyer actually had a decent rookie year. And then Tom Flores was out. They brought in Dennis Erickson. He didn't want to go with Rick anymore. His career sort of petered out. Um, so it's a roundabout way of saying it's not always a slam dunk for somebody like a Tom Flores. It's a little complicated. And you have to really sort of think through. It's not like Belichick, he's won six titles and he just goes in, right? How do you feel about that? Like, I'm just curious, as somebody who follows the game as close as anyone, you know do you think there's a criteria for a head coach do you have to win x amount of titles could you get in without winning one isn't it yeah
0: i mean it is it's really interesting i mean we were kind of having all these discussions this time last year about andy Reid, and obviously still an active coach yeah. but you know i don't think anybody would question his offensive acumen how good he's been for a very long time but like he had to get over that hump right to get a super bowl and now here yeah. we are back you know on the verge he's going to be coaching and Another Super Bowl tomorrow and could win another Super Bowl title. We'll see. Um, so yeah, it's it's hard, you know. And I think for all of these guys, for almost all of these positions, the criteria is kind of fluid, and it really is, you yeah. know, it's a it's an imperfect process. And I know you guys as voters work really really hard. You know, where there's only a handful of candidates where. You just know they're a slam dunk Hall of Famer. And I think that term gets thrown around a lot. Almost any time a guy retires, you know, people, especially maybe people who covered him locally, will say, oh, yeah, he's a future Hall of Famer. And, you know, it gets thrown around for, you know, Philip Rivers just retired. And when Drew Brees retires and, you know, I think Drew Brees is going to be a Hall of Famer. Philip Rivers might be a more interesting conversation because you have to consider a lot of different things because not everybody has a Peyton Manning type of career where their their credentials are just so impeccable that it literally takes thirteen seconds to get the to get the yes vote. Um, well, do you have any final thoughts about this class? Um, you know, like you said, John Lynch was a finalist for seven years. I know last year, you know, he was he helped to orchestrate that 49ers team that got to the Super Bowl and I think he was really hoping that it would kind of be fitting but now instead he gets to um get elected when it's happening in Tampa Bay obviously where he played for so long so you know in a in a normal year in a non-pandemic year he would be here in Tampa Bay and having this happen and that would be a kind of a special moment but instead it's you know this is all kind of happening remotely um, but do you have any other kind of final thoughts yeah. about this class before I do. we wrap up
1: I do. I have two things that stood out to me. Number one, in the, in the contributors and coach, you know, Bill Nunn, the the super scout for the Steelers, and Tom Flores are enshriners of color. I mean, I think that's a big deal, um, especially right now as the league's wrestling with you know its own hiring issues. Um, those are that's a, that's significant. And then the other thing is, you know, my favorite part of the process is seeing how happy the the people are when they get in. I just think it's really cool. And so yeah. for guys like John Lynch and Alan Faneca. Um, it's hard to not make it. You know, you because I always tell people, okay, you got 15 slots, five or 15 candidates, five slots. The math on that Lindsay is 3,000 possible unique combinations of five. It's hard for those guys as competitors not to take it personally when they don't get in. But when they finally do, in 5 years no one remembers that John Lynch took 4 years or 2 years or 6 years. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And I just think that's really cool.
0: Yeah. And I know, you know, when you talk about that not getting in, you know, Drew Pearson has spoken a lot about this. Tom Flores talked about this, where there was an expanded class for the class of 2020. And both of those guys were extremely disappointed and really frustrated that they didn't get in. So it is kind of satisfying to see that that this year they're going to be part of that. They're going to have the full enshrinement ceremony, hopefully this summer pandemic yeah. like pending, pending that 2020 class still needs to get their moment in Canton. So it's going to be a really special weekend in Canton, assuming that, you know, the country isn't a place that we can do that where obviously this class will be headlined by Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson. Um, Peyton Manning probably has his speech written Already, uh, <laughs> he's been I was talking to some people with the Broncos today. That he's that Peyton Manning has probably been planning this. Not just since 2016, the day he retired, but probably since he was a small child, envisioning what his life was going to be like. And it's going to be a roast, a comedy hour. I can't wait to see exactly how Peyton Manning's Hall of Fame Fame speech will go. But um, well, thank you, Mike, so much for, for joining us tonight here to talk about the Hall of Fame. Make sure you stay tuned to The Athletic for more coverage about the Hall of Fame, The AP awards, Aaron Rodgers, MVP, Aaron Donald, Defensive Player of the Year, among other awards. And then also make sure you're following all of our Super Bowl coverage because we're going to have you covered in every possible way on Super Bowl Sunday. Thank you so much and we'll see you later.